welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. We are at January 19th. 1996. Wow. Yeah, we are flash heading to the year 2000. Um, I mean, that's many years away. Four years. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I just. I don't know. It seems like this decade's going by fast to me. Okay. <laughs> sure. I love when you don't agree with me. About are you things. feeling all right? Yeah, I'm feeling fine. Aren't Great. you feeling fine? I feel fantastic. Yeah, a friend of mine set up this uh, this thing. He says it's a beta testing. We talked about it on, whatchamacallit, on the 90210 show. <laughs> but he says it's on the internet. It's in, it's in this like weird little beta testing thing. But apparently it's called, what do you call it, Patreon.com. Yes. So if you go to Patreon.com slash Retro Late Fee, you can actually... Sign up somehow through magic to <laughs> magic to like get our tapes early. Yeah, yeah. You can get early release tapes. You can also get stuff delivered to you wherever you listen to it. So you know, like I've how I've digitized things and everything on the computer. Apparently, there's a, like a feed there where you can you can get it sent directly to you, mm-hmm. like just automatically early. Yes, it is kind of like magic. And we're going to do some some bonus shows that we just for you. Only for the people on our uh Patreon, he calls just it. for you. So check it out. Go there and check it out and let us know what you think. News though. News. News of the day. You've been reading the newspaper again? I'm always reading the newspaper. <laughs> This is uh, a letter to Judith Martin. Who the hell is that? That's Miss Manners, baby. Okay. Not good manners to say who the hell is Miss Manners. Yeah, you know, I took a etiquette class, so I have Did good you? manners. Finishing school. Kind of. Uh, Modeling school. I have some exam. Or <laughs> I, have so- I have some experience finishing in school. Um, will oh, you- goodness. <laughs> Will you shut that fan off real quick? Yes. Because we've got a... I, I, can, I can just hear it in the, in the background. Oh, my God. The whole house is falling apart now. <laughs> the fan was the only thing holding it up. So, Miss Manners. This is what this says. Please consider this factor in the caller ID callback situation. Okay. I have dialed a number. Realized it was a wrong dialing and hung up. I have also unknowingly dialed wrong numbers. I have made a call for information and proceeded after receiving no answer to try another source. In none of these situations did I want a return call. (laughs) Right? Please remind people to be extra polite when they make return calls that may be ultimately... Or untime I'm sorry, that may be untimely or not wanted. Miss hmm. Manners says, uh, Miss Manners has no trouble at all considering that the ability to dial back from a number that was called by using caller ID or dialing a telephone company code should not be abused. As a matter <laughs> of fact, 
It's best to use it to trace calls from those who do abuse the telephone by making calls that are unpleasant or worse. So I guess it's supposed to dissuade those guys that will call up and be like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, they want to hear you do that more than me. <laughs> I guess you took the reins on that one. Um, I worked in a call center. Yeah. And we would get those calls all the time. Well, you've worked a lot of places. I have. <laughs> would you... Do you have caller ID, first of all? Yes. Okay. Uh, we do not. I know you can buy those little caller ID boxes, hook them up to the phone, and then you can see who called. We do not. But every once in a while, I will... Uh, I'll dial the old uh, star 69. Okay. And... Yeah, those charges can can rack up fast. It's like ninety nine cents a charge. Yeah, it's not worth uh, paying for. And when when I said yes, I thought you meant at the call center. I, no, I meant in your home. No, we don't have it in my home. I know they're. Yeah, I know they're they're selling those boxes now. Hmm. Where it's like a little box, you hook it up to the t to the telephone. Almost a TV, and then that'd be a, a day yeah. huh, when you could make telephone calls on your TV. Right, and then. The number will show up whenever when anybody somebody calls. I, it, to me, it basically kind of eliminates the need for an answering machine, which we do have. I don't think that eliminates the need for an answering machine because what if you're not home? It saves the numbers. You could because my friend my friend Gary has one. Uh, his parents are like those the kind of people that are like like top of the technology, kind right? Of thing. Right. They're always getting the newest thing, right? And they paid for it and. It saves it. You can, like, if there's a little arrow, it's like a blue arrow up, blue arrow down, and you can push it, and it'll cycle through who called. Huh. I think it saves maybe the last 10 or something like that. Okay. But, like, say somebody's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and they're calling to tell you, you know, your relative is sick and you need to get down here. You're not going to get that message. All you're going to know is the hospital called. Maybe you don't know... What relatives in the hospital, or you know, who called you? If it's from the worth hospital. it going down there. <laughs> oh, it's just Aunt Rose. Fuck her. Anyways, I don't think just knowing the phone number really takes away the necessity of the message. I guess that's true. It is nice to get a message. Yeah. But my my dad will talk to the answering machine as if it's a person. <laughs> I can like, picture that. <laughs> Tell Mark <laughs> that I wanted to talk to him. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, how about this headline? Moribund CBS tries a fresh start again. What do you think of that headline? I don't understand it. You know, you don't know what moribund means. No, it means basically like dead. Okay. CBS is the obvious. You know, CBS is last place. Like, well, Fox is pro- probably is the least ratings, but it's last place of all the ones that matter. Wow. Um, actually, I guess Fox isn't last place anymore now because there's UPN and WB, and I guarantee you they don't get as much as Fox does. But anyway. Uh, does nobody else care about Married with Children? No, I mean, people watch Fox. Beverly Hills 90210 is on Fox. Well, there you go. But it Fox is more like the young, like, teenage uh Like you know, us. Network. Yeah. Yeah, it's for us. We like Fox. Yes. But they don't get as much. It doesn't get as much ratings as, like, NBC. Uh, in the oxymoronic tradition of jumbo shrimp and fresh frozen strawberries, the president of CBS Entertainment has come up with a strategy to revive his network's primetime programming. 
Our mantra is a fresh, is traditional yet fresh, says Leslie Moonvez, who has been on the job for six very trying months. Leslie Moonvez. What the hell kind of name is that? Well, he is the new CEO of CBS Entertainment. CBS. We are dealing in fairly traditional genres and trying to add a new spin to them. So they are, uh, they've got some shows, uh, American Gothic, Central Park West, If Not For You. (laughs) But anyway, so there. If Not For You What? I don't know. I've I've never heard of these shows. Right? If not for CBS, I'd be watching something good. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so they're uh, they're going to try a slate of new shows with a traditional sensibility, but a new spin on things. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what we got. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I want to know why they think it's okay to say fresh and frozen in the same you know sentence because they kind of contradict each other. Well, that's what an oxymoron is. I I, I know. Well, that's it. Was they they were giving examples of oxymorons: jumbo shrimp and fresh frozen oh. strawberries. Sorry, people. I'm really tired wow. again. See, because I'm just yeah, I don't sleep. Carol's blonde roots are showing through. They are, even though she's not a blonde. So uh, you're not supposed to say that, so that people can not recognize you on the streets. <laughs> King of Comedy's crown rests lightly on Tim Allen. What do you think? Mm, no crowns on Tim Allen, no. Crowns for snitching. <laughs> you think we forgot Tim Allen, but I remember when you snitched on your cocaine I friends. I think it's so funny that you hate him so much because he's a snitch. Not because, you know, he was a fucking drug dealer. That's okay. I, I also don't find him funny. <laughs> That's another thing, too. That's not funny? That's close. Awooga! <laughs> no, he's the... Ar, ar, ar. Yeah. We're just little pigs or gorillas pigs or whatever. Pigs don't bark. Ar, 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 ar. Woo, woo, woo. There you go. Yeah, that's what he does. I don't think that particular funny. bit is funny. That's his whole life. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I don't like... I didn't like the Santa Claus... I'm not a really big fan of Home Improvement, to be honest. I think it's cute. I know everybody loves it. Everyone is in in my face about this show. It's like one of those feel-good things. You know, they've got like a a fairly normal family, and it's kind of funny. I watch Red Dwarf. What Uh, the fuck? It's a British show. Uh, It's good to be king, and Tim Allen, despite a recent slide in the ratings for Home Improvement, is still the reigning king of ABC. Call it the synergy of the mouse. Oh, that's what I forgot. Disney bought ABC from Cap Cities, but that happened after he was Tim Allen. I wonder if they bought ABC because Tim Allen was on ABC. They were like, we liked him in the Santa Claus, so now we want to work with him for the rest of our lives. Disney unloaded bags of money to buy Cap City slash ABC in the most spectacular mega media per- merger of the past year, and Home Improvement just happens to be a Disney production through its Touchstone Television subsidiary. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's not all. Tim Allen also is a Disney big screen titan, having made an impressive movie debut in the Magic Money Kingdom's 1994-95 <laughs> hit, The Santa Claus. Wow. 
And he followed up the success with a lively vocal strut as Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. That's true. He was good in, in, in Toy Story. Yes. We did that. Disney's current family blockbuster, but that's not a Disney movie. As we discussed, Captain Video File, Mike Duffy. That's a <laughs> Pixar movie. Yes. Disney distributed it because Pixar doesn't have a distribution network like Disney does. Pixar is so new, right? Yeah, I mean, they've they've been around for a little while, I guess, but this was their first movie, obviously. They they came out of Industrial Light and Magic, George Lucas's uh, special effects house, and then they were owned by Steve Jobs for a while. Hmm. And I think they still, I think, I think Apple still has some sort of ownership of them, I think. I'm not sure. Wow. It's so weird, like, how incestuous, like, all the big businesses get, where, like, you know, you'd never really associate Apple and movies. Nope. They have, like, nothing to do with media, but there it is. There it is. And here this is. That's the news for this, this week, everybody. But here this is. We we are doing another edition of Massive Love. Yay, it's my favorite. Yeah, I love doing Massive Love. And I've tried... I know you love some Massive Love. I'm going to try to uh, have us do this once a month. Okay. You know, I know that... Because sometimes last year we, you know, we, we went away from it for a while. Well, yeah, because we kept finding the same ads over mm-hmm. and over. So I think I think doing it about once a month will be... Yeah, get a little variety in there. So I'm just gonna I'm I haven't even really pre-read these. Okay. So I'm just gonna go through. Uh, we're gonna start alternate lifestyles, of course. Of course. Uh, by mail, forty-five, six-two, two hundred and twenty-six pounds. That's very, very accurate. You stood out of your scale the day you wrote this. <laughs> very black and handsome. Very black. Very black. Like Wesley Snipes? <laughs> Seeking slim or nicely built masculine or feminine by a gay black male, 20 to 40. Hmm. By or gay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and masculine, masculine or, feminine. or feminine. They're not very choosy. Yeah, this guy, this guy epitomizes the going both ways right? uh, mantra because that's, yeah, he's... But he only wants a guy, right? Yes. But he's bi. Correct. He maybe he has a woman that he's got already. Hmm. He's collected a woman now. He wants to (laughs) collect them all. (laughs) Uh, Married, white, male, good-looking, intelligent, tall, business professional, early forties, non-smoking, with keen sense of humor. (laughs) Sure. That shines through in this in this writing. So right, right. Don't worry about that. You didn't even need to say that. <laughs> Seeking attractive white female, married or single, for exclusive, fun, romantic, discreet relationship. Fuck off. I always love you. You hate the cheaters on here. Well, especially when he's saying he wants an exclusive relationship. It's not yes, exclusive. That's what I was thinking, too. I want an extramarital affair, but I want it to be an exclusive extramarital affair. <laughs> that seems very demanding, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's like, I want you to cheat, but I want you to only cheat with me. Mm-hmm. What makes you so special, Dick? Right. Your keen sense of humor? Or if they're single. 
Then he, I mean, because he said married or single, that's so true. that's even worse. Like, right. oh, just just sleep with me, but I'm going to sleep with my wife and you. Right. How much sleeping with his wife do you think he's doing? Uh, probably not much. That's probably the whole point, but still. Yeah. Handsome romantic attorney. Although you know, I got cheated on, and uh, not by me. I I I hadn't stopped sleeping with him. He was just a horny bastard. Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> So, wait, what are you saying? I'm saying that just because somebody cheats doesn't mean that they're not getting any. Oh, I gotcha. So, you were still sleeping with the person that cheated on you. Yes. And I think we tend to, you know, blame the victim sometimes in these situations. Yeah. It it can be a reason for cheating, but it's not the only reason for cheating. I agree. That wasn't me, though, by the way. No. Obviously. I mean, I'm, I want the I want the fans out there to know that that was not me. No, he wouldn't do that. Attractive queen sized divorce white female. What does that mean? Like a like the bed? It means plus size, but it's the cute way of saying it. Forty three, seeking a mach- a mature single slash divorced male who's sincere, romantic, fun, passionate, and has a great sense of humor for a monogamous relationship. Mm. I think seems like she's asking a lot. I think I might. I I think. Yeah, you still thinking? <laughs> Never mind. What were you gonna say? It just sounded very similar to my mom's personal ad. <laughs> but you, you know, think that's your mom's? No. Okay. No, because then I thought about it. I'm like, that's not where she posted it. So. Plus, she's not divorced. Right. True. She is widowed. That that's or, also true. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really weird, wouldn't it though, if you're like looking at personal ads and all of a sudden you're like, I know who that is. Right. Well, I know who this is. Short, sexy, single black female college student. Professional into quiet times, seeking Christopher Williams type. Who's Christopher who's Williams? Educated, employed, sincere, and sensitive. Christopher Williams, you know? The educated, sincere <laughs> employed dude. <laughs> Right? Right. And this person sounds like a ball of fun because, you know, uh, they're looking for quiet times. They they like uh, they like their sex to be tame. You know Christopher Williams. He's a singer. Sure. I really don't. But... He, he's that, you know, remember that guy that was like super, said he was super black? Uh-huh. That's not Christopher Williams. <laughs> he's uh, very white. Interesting. But I think he just got married uh, a little while ago. Okay. Christopher Williams. But he's one of those hip-hop singers. Hmm. Dapper black male. There's a lot of, you know, I want to point out, without sounding racist. Okay. There's a lot of black people in here. Do you think that that's because this is a Detroit paper in the Detroit area? Or do you think that for some reason that we're not aware of because we're not black... That it's harder for black people to find each other in, in like, you know, like, I don't know. Are you talking about overall there's more black people or in the alternative lifestyle section? No, no, this is the whole, the whole paper. Hmm. I don't know. Because, like, I know there's more, um, what's the word I'm searching for? There's more. Diversity? No. Um, like, looking down on, um. 
stigma um, for being gay in the African-American community. So, you know, I I could figure that might be a reason why it'd be hard for them to meet other people that are gay. Mm -hmm. But as far as straight people, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's just the proximity to Detroit. Probably. But I don't, I want to know if you had a, uh, a theory on that. Well, that was my theory. Okay. <laughs> How about a professional white couple in their late 50s seeking straight older white couple? Oh, no man. solo males. No, because now it's like grandma and grandpa and grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I don't like it. It's like that, uh, maybe, maybe they don't want to have sex, though. Maybe they just want to reenact uh, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. <gasps> I was thinking the same thing, Mark. Oh, my God. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Yes. They're in the giant bed, the four grandparents. Mm-hmm. What do you think they were doing in that bed in Willy Wonka? Ew. So we could make Willy Wonka bad, or we could make this swinging couple wholesome. <laughs> which way do, Which way should we go? Well, always bad. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to think about Grandpa Joe. Uh. You know. No. No, I don't either. Sexy, neglected, married, black oh. male. Wine, 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 cry me a river. 25. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. He's 25 or yeah. he's... Okay. He's 25 and he's already neglected. Seeking sexy, neglected, married woman. <laughs> 25 to 35 for discreet long-term relationship. Oh, he wants an older lady. Well, his age or older, yeah. Hmm. That seems weird. Most guys are looking for younger girls. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Like, he's look. I don't, I rarely hear any woman saying she's neglected. Well, no, no woman's going to say that. You think there are neglected women out there, though? Um, why wouldn't there be? Because men usually want sex more than women do. So Not the ones that are cheating. Okay, so you think that, do you think his wife's cheating? Um, maybe, but like you said, it's usually like women are more likely to have like less interest in sex, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying like, there's so many guys on here. Like if they're getting it somewhere else. Yeah. So a lot of horny people, a lot of fucking cheaters. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that disturbs me. I guess the most about it. It's very soap opery. Yeah. On the, on the newspaper there. There wasn't a ton of fun, funny ones though. This no, week, but. I looked through. There weren't there weren't a lot of funny ones. Neglected. Neglected. Just makes me sad. I guess. But like neglected looking for neglected, that's weird. Well, I, I maybe he's like he's thinking to himself, I don't want to break up a happy home. Mm. I want to break up a unhappy home. Right, right. <laughs> I think what he's saying is he wants he wants a woman that wants to fuck. Yeah. He's like, I want to have sex. I want to find a woman that also wants to have sex to the level that I do. Yeah. Good luck, sir. His poor wife. But why, maybe he is. Maybe he's the victim. We were talking about blaming the victim. Maybe he's the victim. Well, do you really think that, you know, that justifies cheating? Or do you no. think he should be saying, hey, I want to, you know, I think they should up. get divorced, yeah. You, you know me. I don't, I don't think there's any justification for cheating. Right. So, yet you're saying, could he be the victim? That doesn't mean... He shouldn't cheat. If he if he does, then he's doing something wrong. 
But that doesn't mean that he's also not being wronged at the same time. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. I, and I don't know, you know, that's... I don't want to psychoanalyze them or try to get into their relationship. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's something that's personal to each person. Yeah. As to, you know, sexual compatibility and how much you want to have sex and things like that. But, speaking of wanting to have sex... <laughs> Did you want to have sex after watching this movie? Oh my god, no. This movie made me sad. We watched From Dusk Till Dawn. We did. Yeah, why don't you talk about the movie, and then I'll make snarky comments about the movie. Well, I mean, I just, I feel like I was misled. Okay. Because I went in expecting a vampire movie. It's a vampire movie. It is not a vampire. Okay, it is two movies, okay? The first movie. It is movie. two movies. It's absolutely two movies. You're right about that. <laughs> and the first movie is about, you know, these criminal brothers and how they're taking hostages and the one is like fucking crazy. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Who wrote this movie, wrote himself as a delusional rapist. Yeah. No. And serial killer. Yes. And, um... Him and his brother, like, he broke his brother out of prison. And George Clooney is his brother, who, by the way, I want to point out real quick. Yes. George Clooney is very good in this movie, though. Yeah. He's the one bright spot. Very different than his role as Dr. Doug Ross on (laughs) ER, but... But he's he's really charming in like a menacing way. Yeah, he he is the ideal bad guy. Like Yeah, I think what you mean is he's the ideal bad boy. <laughs> I think that's what you mean. Sure. Um but yeah, the brother, uh Quentin Tarantino, is awful. Yeah, yeah. And like he okay. First they rob a bank and they had taken this teller hostage and she's in the trunk and they go to a liquor store mm-hmm. for what again i, I don't well, I went to a, there's a gas station gas station to, to get a map uh, yeah to get, to get a map of texas that's all and they end up killing everyone in there and blowing the place no killing two people and blowing the place up yeah they killed a texas ranger and, and the clerk and the clerk yeah for no reason because quentin tarantino's character is paranoid as fuck. Right. He he thought that they rec- the the clerk recognized them. Well, and he didn't. And then the ranger walked in mm-hmm. and he thought that the clerk signaled the ranger. And he didn't. Yeah. So they kill they kill them both even though they could have easily just let it all go. And the two girls that they were also holding hostage back there with them run away before they set the whole fucking place on fire. Mm-hmm. The, the clerk was on fire. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and good for him, though. He fought, he Not fought. good for him. What are you talking no, about? He fought back to the very end. Even when he was on fire, he kept shooting at them. I guess. But he didn't hit them. He should have kept his head down. He only shot him once in the hand. That really didn't do should've, very should've good. should have kept his head down and did nothing. Then he'd be dead... Without having gotten any retaliation. They wouldn't have got him. He would have gotten away. Fire, Mark. Fire. <laughs> but he only did the fire because he started shooting at him, right? So you think he should have, after they shot the ranger, mm-hmm. he should have just let them walk out? Yeah. He should have hid behind the counter and then let them argue about, because 
Because George Clooney didn't think that that guy fucking did anything. Yeah. And he should just let them argue with each other. And then George Clooney would have been like, hey, stay back there and count to 100 or whatever. And then they would have left. Yeah, maybe. That's my. That's what I think. But instead he shot Quentin Tarantino in the hand. And yeah. then that caused that caused what happened to happen. Which was actually pretty genius, though. They the shot. The hand. They shot all the. No, the bad guy shot oh. all the liquor bottles. Mm-hmm. And then um, lit something on fire and threw it. Kerosene and toilet paper. Kerosene-soaked toilet paper. But, I mean, you know, getting the liquor down there was smart. Yeah, yeah, it was real smart. (laughs) Set up a good shot. It did. No, the, the, the first part of this movie is Harvey Keitel and his family, Juliette Lewis, who's also really good in this movie. Yeah, from Natural Born Killers. I like her a lot. She's and she plays a teenager, and it's it's such a it's such a different role than mm-hmm. Natural Born Killers, and she's so believable as yeah. as like an eighteen year old girl. I don't know how old she is in in real life, but she's she's so good, mm-hmm. Julia Lewis. She's incredibly talented, and so it's him and his family, his daughter and son, young daughter and young son, and his wife is dead. And he's taking the kids on an RV trip. And they're going to Mexico. I think. Well, I mean, at least Texas. (laughs) Yeah. I think they were going. I think they said they were going to Mexico. But anyway, so the first part of this movie is a crime movie. It's these two people trying to get out of Texas and getting this, um, this RV so that they can get out. Now, I wonder... If this really is two movies, because it feels so much like two movies. And I wonder, like, I wonder if Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, who directed this movie, who did Desperado, Mm -hmm. which we saw, I wonder how much of a hand he had in writing the script. And I wonder if this is almost like the two separate visions, because the first part Hmm. of the movie feels very Quentin Tarantino. Yes. The second part of the movie feels a little more Robert Rodriguez, kind of, you know, that's in Mexico. Yeah. There's a big Mexican flair to it. There's uh, there's a Mexican band and stuff like that. I don't know how much he's into vampires and shit like that and supernatural elements because we've only seen Desperado. Uh, but a lot of his character, a lot of people he was worked with before, you know, appear yep. and, and everything. So I wonder how much of it is a split between the two of them because there are elements that get set up that never get paid off in the first part. What do you mean? Uh, they talk to... Kelly Preston's in it for five seconds, playing a, a news reporter, talking about how many people these two brothers have killed. Oh, yeah. And all the law enforcement they've killed. And then she talks to the head of the Texas Rangers, the FBI, or somebody, played by John Saxton, legendary actor John Saxon, Lori's dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, we're motivated to get him. He has basically one line, and then he's gone. <laughs> you would think if they're hiring John Saxon, if they're hiring Kelly Preston, not that Kelly Preston's done a ton of movies or anything lately, but if they're hiring those those two, that that storyline was supposed to go somewhere. Like I could see this storyline being stretched out a lot longer to yeah. to you know the ultimate goal being getting across the border because when they do finally successfully get across the border, that feels like. 
a climax and a resolution. Yeah, it feels like the end. And if anything, when they're going into this bar at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, it feels like this should be the celebration at the end. Yeah. Not... The denouement. The entire second part of a whole movie. <laughs> right. I know, it's weird. And and it feels... It, it's a little exhausting to go on mm-hmm. that on that journey with them because it's like it not that either thing is terrible although the the second half i do not like so much um but they're both very intense yeah so it's like you're you're going through all this tension and then you finally get the relief and then there's just more tension it's just like fuck yeah there's so there's there's a couple things i like about the second half one is selma hayek stripping and (laughs) what I do too, actually. Um, but I don't like, like, like you said, I don't like the snake. Yeah, the snake part doesn't that doesn't do anything. For no, me. but and she doesn't actually take off her clothes; she just dances. No, but I mean, she she looks nice, and yep. you know, she's a great dancer. Mm-hmm. And then they make her fucking hideous. Yeah, I know. I that, don't like it. That's no good. And then there's a couple interesting characters. Like there's a couple. There's, and that's, like I said, that's another Robert Rodriguez type thing. Remember in uh, Desperado, he had that that weird gun, like, in the case and yeah. everything and stuff like that. The case itself was like, you know, a weapon or yeah. whatever. Well, Tom Savini, who's in this movie for some reason. Now, I know a lot of you might not know who Tom Savini is. Tom Savini's a makeup artist who's worked in movies for a long time and has, as far as I know, I don't know if he's ever acted in a movie before. Hmm. He's not a trained actor, obviously. He's a makeup dude. But he did, very famously, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the arrowhead through the through the neck, through uh, Kevin Bacon's neck and stuff like that. Okay. That was Tom Savini, and it's a very iconic thing. He came back for the, you know, the, the final Friday or whatever the hell it's called, part four. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of great effects in that one. Um and everything, so he's he's done a lot of great visual effects, and I, I would assume that a lot of the, pra- the the visual effects that are in this movie, the the creature effects, like the kind of body Ugh. the body horror stuff with body uh-huh. parts coming off, I, I'll bet you he did those. Sure, probably. But it's you know he's in there, and he has a belt buckle that doubles as a gun. So ridiculous, and that's. That's a very Robert Rodriguez type thing to me. No, it's not a belt buckle that you're being too kind. It it is a belt buckle that turns into a penis that shoots people. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's phallic and disgusting. Yeah. And then Fred Williamson is in there too, who's a, a he's a former NFL player and he's been in a lot of those black exploitation films in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And he's there too, and he's they're like the two like badasses that help that that help right. them out. But I want to know if they were going to get attacked either way, or if George Clooney makes one of the dumbest decisions ever, and that's what leads to the attack. Because they're supposed to meet their friend here at this bar, and their friend's going to take them to this place where where criminals can hide out and have to pay a certain amount of their loot. And everything to be there. But while we're going up for a long, long time, Cheech Marin, who we just saw, by the way, Cheech Marin plays three roles in this movie for some reason. And the first one is a a border security guard in in Mexico. 
And then it's very soon after we see him that he's standing outside this bar, the Titty Twister, the strip club bar, and doing the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> yes. He's just sitting there like, we got pussy. We got pussy for sale. Get your pussy here. We got warm pussy. We got cold pussy. And he's just screaming. Now, wh- I don't understand this. <laughs> what job is this? They're outside of a biker bar in the middle of nowhere right. in Mexico. Who is he talking to? The bikers that are sitting outside? Are they outside of this bar to not come in? Yeah. Does, does, does the giant woman in neon <laughs> with the, you know, like pinching her her nipples, does that not tell people what kind of establishment this is? Why do they need someone with a microphone standing right outside the doors screaming into the desert <laughs> right. about this? It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And it is annoying. And and he, he said, like, this teenage girl is walking in there. And he said, an apple pie pussy. Yeah, he's like, new- oh, a new flavor. Yeah. Apple pie pussy. Isn't that what got him beat up? Maybe. I didn't think about that. I was thinking that, that George Clooney just did it. Because he was being annoying. But I guess maybe, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So they're showing like a noble side of George Clooney. Because he says that to her and then that's why he beats the fuck out of him. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, he's annoying, but who cares? They're going inside. But they, yeah, they beat the fuck out of him. And then they go inside and then they watch Salma Hayek strip. And I think that Quentin Tarantino, I'm starting to believe that Quentin Tarantino wrote this movie... For the sole purpose of having Sama Hayek stick his foot in his mouth. Stick her foot in his stick mouth. Stick her foot in his mouth. Yeah. Because this dude has got something weird going on with feet. Yeah, he does. There, I, 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 thinking back on Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. you know, there's some, some shots of Uma Thurman walking barefoot and everything, like lovingly, loving shots of her feet Yeah, that don't really exist for any other reason other than to look at her feet. Wasn't she dancing barefoot too? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And But I noticed it in this movie because Juliette Lewis is mm-hmm. sitting in the the RV and he's, Quentin Tarantino's just staring at her and there's like, you know, shot of her foot. Mm-hmm. Her bare foot, right? Shot of her toe. Then shot of her foot underneath her. And everything is like like all these different angles of a foot. Gratuitous yeah. foot shots. And I know Robert Rodriguez directed this. But I'll bet you that Quentin Tarantino was like, hey, gets, right. you know, this is how I want it. Like, this is how I wrote it. Like, he probably just wrote the, <laughs> the scene direction in there. This is how it gets shot, Robert. Right. And they have some sort of friendship, obviously, because uh, Quentin Tarantino was in Desperado. And now he's in this. Yeah. And he wrote this. But, and then and then the whole thing where Salma Hayek decides to put her foot in his mouth. Yes. And have him drink alcohol down it. And then Ugh. he sucks her toe. And stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that there's something going God, on with this guy. If I were her, he would have had to pay extra for that bullshit, <laughs> you know? I'm sorry, but... You it's mean like, as, like as an actress? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, to have her degrade herself like that. I mean, because he was sucking her toe. It was more degrading than when she was naked with Antonio Banderas in Desperado. It was. 
because it wasn't Antonio Banderas. It was Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, pretending to have normal sex. Mm-hmm. It was her toe yeah. in his mouth. Yeah, it's weird. Ugh. I think she's going places, though. I think so, too. I mean, Se- she's... second movie we've seen her in. And she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, we haven't seen her do a ton with real acting so much as just... That's true. ...being pretty, but... she's She does a decent amount of acting in Desperado. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a I know, lot it of it's weird, just yeah. making out and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But anyway, so yeah, so vampires come and attack this bar, and then it becomes a supernatural movie. Well, not just that vampires come and attack it. Well, they, yeah, they... Selma Hayek turns into a vampire and attacks Quentin Tarantino, and then you start to realize that everybody else in the fucking bar is a vampire. Yeah. The bats swarming the place happens later. Mm-hmm. Something triggered that. I think the band. That's what I think. Hmm. I think the bands turned into bats. Because they kill uh, Tom Savini, Fred Williamson, and the rest of them. They end up killing everybody, and then they see the band, and they're like, "Let's kill the band," and they're like, and "There's a big flashbang," and then they're gone. Yeah, and they're like, "What the fuck happened?" I think they turned into bats and got their, okay. their buddies. They were like, "Hey, you know, they they killed all these people, all these stripper bats and stuff." But I mean, to answer your original question, um, I really, really think that no, they wouldn't have all gotten killed and attacked like that. I think it was because Quentin Tarantino pissed everybody off. Well, or George Clooney, yeah. I mean. Yeah, Tarantino kicked him in the ribs or whatever, but and like... they both did it, yeah. he, he comes in there, Cheech Mar- Marin comes in there and he's like, hey, that, that's the asshole that did it. He fucking, you know... And then they just start going nuts. Yeah. Because they pull out guns and they shoot him, which they don't know is not going to do anything, but it's not going to do anything because they're, they're vampires. And then everyone in the bar starts going nuts that, that works at the bar or is... Because there's a bunch of patrons there too there's mm-hmm. truckers and bikers there and they all end up getting killed right and turned into vampires after being killed and then they also attack them but it's one of those it's like a zombie it's, it's more, more like zombies more like a yes. zombie movie than a than a vampire movie because people start getting bit like tom savini gets bit as they're killing off the the rest of the vampires and he doesn't tell anybody and then he starts turning into mm-hmm. a vampire and then he turns harvey Keitel into a vampire Harvey Ty- Keitel turns his son into a vampire at one point. Yeah. His son gets ripped apart, you know, and everything. So many, like, everyone dies in this movie except for George Clooney and Juliette Lewis. <laughs> yeah, basically, everybody does. And, you know, the different vampire movies are different, right? Yeah. And I don't like this kind. I don't like ugly, animalistic, monster vampires. I like, you know, like Dracula. Yes, I like vampires like who have personality. Sexy vampires. And, yeah, like I do. Like Brad Pitt and yes, Tom Cruise. Yes, correct. Yep. That's the kind of vampires I like. I know. And it was really disappointing. Well, you would think with Salma Hayek, she could be a sexy vampire. Right, why do they have to make them ugly? Yeah. She I could, mean, they were really ugly. Imagine if she, instead of turning into, like, the, an ugly thing, was, like, tried to seduce, uh, you know, them. Right. Or something like that. That would have been a lot more fun to watch. And it could have worked. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like, with less violence, and then she could have gotten the slave she wanted or whatever, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, like, there, there are lots of elements not addressed. Like, Quentin Tarantino has a hallucinatory delusion that Juliet Lewis says, "Hey, will you do me a favor and eat my pussy?" <laughs> yeah. 
He was so fucking And then crazy. he's talking about it with her later like she really said it. He doesn't realize she didn't say it. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, were you serious or were you just messing around? Because I can do that for you. You know, and stuff like that. And she's, and she's like, like huh? what? what are you talking Like, she doesn't know what he's talking about. They ne- we never go into that because he dies. Yeah. But there's so many unexplored things. And I think the idea of a a mixture of a crime movie with a vampire movie where there's just like a ton of blood and it's all crazy carnage mm-hmm. could be fun. Yeah. But this movie didn't blend those two things well enough. No. They didn't make one dependent on the other enough, really. Definitely. They didn't, we, they didn't weave the plot in together enough. And it's just... I don't know at all. Like... Everything it, there's it doesn't feel like there's any stakes. It's not it's not funny enough, and it's not serious enough. The movie doesn't take itself seriously enough, but it doesn't lean into comedy enough. It's right in between, mm-hmm. and it it it's not a good tone. Yeah, for for the movie. So because it could it could have turned into a very silly farce, and it might have been funny, but it doesn't it doesn't make it there. And because like. Like, uh, for instance, Tarantino starts to turn into a vampire because he's been bit. Uh-huh. And George Clooney's like, no, you're not going to kill him. That's my brother. And, like, a minute of movie time passes, and he's like, <laughs> okay, hold him down. And he, and he kills, kills him, him. Yeah. with a pool cue. And it's like, no one said anything and nothing happened to change his mind. He was just like, you're not going to kill my brother. That's my brother. And then he was like, okay, let's kill him. Yeah. And it's, it's like it doesn't that you either take it seriously and it's heart wrenching for him to do it, which it was not. And you give George Clooney, you know, some acting moments mm-hmm. you give. You you could give Tarantino, who's not the best actor in the world, but you could give Tarantino some acting moment, like have him turn back into a human because these they can do this right. and beg for his life or something like that. You can lean into the seriousness of it or you can make it a silly farce where there's like a bunch of blood and he's like. You know, but they don't do either of that. Mm-mm. They go right in between, and that that in between is not good. No, and it just leaves you going, what? Yeah, the movie doesn't commit enough either way. Yeah. It was, I mean, it just, it was not good. The, I'll say, though, like, in the beginning, there's a lot of just gratuitous blood in this movie. Yes, there is. And in the beginning, like, uh, George Clooney leaves his brother with their hostage so he can go out and buy food, I think. I don't know. Yeah, he's getting food for them. And he comes back, and the bank teller has been raped and killed by his brother. Mm-hmm. And I do really like, though, the way they did the camera work for that. Because yeah. when George Clooney sees it, it's just flashes. We're mostly seeing his reaction, mm-hmm. and then the flashes of the blood. And I think it was almost like him taking it in, like, piece by piece. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like... That one scene, I think they did okay. And you see it, you see the scene vaguely behind them. Yeah. Out of focus and everything. You never see anything full on. And I do, I agree, I agree that that's, that's decently done. But it's just another huge difference between the two halves of the movie. Yeah, I cared way more about the first half than mm-hmm. I did the second half. If the movie had been just about them trying to get out and John Saxton trying to, to hunt them down and stuff like that, it would have, it would have been a lot better. Yes. But yeah, that's uh, I I I can't recommend it. You know, I mean, you might if you if you really 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 want to check it out, I would wait for home video. But yeah, it's not 
It's not one you need to see. Yeah, definitely uh, don't waste your money on the theater, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth it if you really like Tarantino, Rodriguez, or vampires. Mm -hmm. Well, if you like those kind of vampires. Or just wait for it to come to HBO or whatever. (laughs) Right. But anyway, that is our episode for the week. Carol, tell the people all the things they need to know. So you can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. You can go to our website at www.retrolatefee.com and uh, tell your friends. Yeah, tell a friend about the show and tell a friend to check us out on patreon.com slash retrolatefee. Yep. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.